Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about how the mind is the experience that we have and how certain practices we work with can alter or change that experience. Um, But before we get into all that, I'd like to say a few things and get some stuff off my chest. Uh, This is all personal stuff, so fast forward it if it gets boring. But uh, big changes in my life recently. Four years ago, a good friend of mine, Serge, somehow talked me into helping people for a living. Um, I was in a place in my life where I was just starting to say yes to new things, just kind of going with wherever the current of life was taking me. Well, um, it took me into the field of mental health and addiction. Um, I entered into it kind of slowly. But once I saw that the things that I know and practice weren't just helpful to me, but were helpful to everyone, uh, I decided to make it my life and a full-time job. Um, I know that ex-clients listen to this, so quite a few of them, so this is uh, directed to them, but um, you guys uh, taught me more about love and understanding than any book or teacher ever could. That's first off. Um, I mean, you all became the teacher, and that big glass cube of a building kind of became my ashram. Um, I love you guys so much. You all let me play with your minds, uh, play with ideas, find out what works, find out what doesn't work. Uh, You've all been so kind to me, and I'm forever grateful. But um, all that being said, I'm not leaving the field, but instead going elsewhere with my work wife, Troy. (laughs) to be of assistance to others in what promises to be a more supportive environment. So, but you all know you can find me here. Plenty of you reach out, we can talk, it's all good. Um, Now that we're past all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all that that entails, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com where you can find a link to the donation page. Uh, And there you could sign up to donate monthly through Patreon, $1, $5 a month, or a one-time donation through Venmo just to be sweet. Um, There is also a link to purchase one of the two Infinite Spark of Bean books if you'd like to support it that way. Or if you already have the books and you'd still like to support it, uh, you can go to the shop link and buy t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, art prints. Um, Anyway, also, uh, there's still the every other Saturday evening class at the Metaphysical Institute of Palm Beach from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. There's one tonight. This is the 29th of January, so not next Saturday, but the Saturday after. Anyway, so here we are changing the mind and uh, this experience through practice. Let's get started. South Florida and cold. Uh, For us, it's cold anyway. Tomorrow promises to be in the 30s. So for those of us living in the tropics, this is horrible. (laughs) But it's very windy, so you're going to hear things banging around outside. Um, 
I apologize for the lack of professionalism. Anyway, uh, so I've explained to you a lot about how the mind works, uh, how it's essentially an algorithm. I've explained the spiritual nature of the mind due to its association with the soul and how our experience of life occurs through the mind. Um, our experience of what we have all agreed upon as being reality is actually our mind. The seven cognitive faculties of the mind being judgment, perception, consciousness, language, memory, and thinking. Um, I've also explained that the mind is not a thing, but an event. Uh, you are not the thinker. The mind is the thinker, and you are not the mind. You are the watcher, the soul, awareness. The mind is something that is happening constantly as it is constantly elaborating on sensory data. And if it's not checked, it's reinforcing some pretty unskillful patterns of perception uh, within the subconscious mind. So... If the mind is an algorithm or a program that is constantly producing phenomena that is dictating our reality uh, and how we see the world, then two things need to happen. Uh, first, we need to learn to observe it or watch it. And second, uh, after we've watched it, we begin to reprogram that algorithm. Well, how do we do that? Um, or why do we do it, actually? So the first thing... Um, is learning to watch the mind, seeing it as uh, a constantly running phenomenon, right? The mind is producing thoughts. The mind is the thinker. And uh, I show that to people by having them sit in silence uh, with no direction on breathing or anything like that for a period of time. And I want you to try it. So pause this and try it now if you want. And after you've done that, I want you to consider these questions. Um, spend some time with these questions. Did you choose the thoughts that were arising, the thoughts that came up? Did you pick them? Did you choose them or did they just happen? Um, inner dialogue, judgment, uh, it's all thought, it's all the mind, but did you pick that? Did you pick the judgments that came up? Like, what the fuck is this? Why am I just sitting here? Did you pick that? Did you, did you decide on the inner dialogue that happened? The voice in your head, right? In fact, as you sit here listening to me speak, are you picking the judgments and the inner dialogue that's happening now? Or is it just kind of happening on its own? Like, are you dictating it, in other words? See? So spend some time with this. Um... What you start to see is the nature of the mind. You see the mind jumping from thing to thing or, you know, the classic monkey mind seeing it swing from one branch to another branch. Thought to thought, feeling to feeling, kind of compounding on itself over and over again. You also notice something else. You notice that you aren't doing any of it. Judgment just pops into the mind. Thoughts just pop into the mind. You don't see them in the distance approaching. You don't, you know, get a warning. It just happens, doesn't it? So when you're sitting there, who is aware that the mind is thinking? I am. I am aware that the mind is thinking. Or I am aware, period. 
the mind is thinking, period. So we notice that uh, one thought leads to the next thought and the next thought and the next thought until we, you know, call that son of a bitch and give them a piece of our mind or until sadness turns into resentment and anger. That's kind of how this all becomes a problem. Um, This is the problem with thinking. The mind thinks itself out of what is actually happening and into some other shit that isn't going to help us with the problem at hand. For instance, um, if I'm sad about something, I need to be with that sadness. If I keep my attention up in the mind, the mind will will begin dragging my attention into other thoughts, other patterns of thoughts, patterns of perception until finally I'm angry. And again, I call that son of a bitch and give them a piece of my mind. And these are the patterns that my attachment and identification with my conscious mind have created and reinforced in my subconscious mind, my operating system. Does that make sense? So this is why the practice of meditation, uh, the practice of bringing our attention down to the breath is so vitally important. Um, It is training the mind not to be empty necessarily, but to be with one thing, um, sadness or whatever is happening, not with the potential of peace and ease, but with the gnarly truth of pain at that moment. And the practice is this. Um, So the word shamatha means mind calmness or the way it was always told to me was calm abiding, which I really like the idea of calmly abiding with the mind as it is. So what you're going to do, you're going to sit. You can sit on the floor. You can sit in a chair. But if you're going to sit on the floor, what you're going to want to do is put a cushion under your butt or a yoga block, something. But you always, for comfort and and you know the flow of prana, you kind of want your pelvis over your ankles. That's what the meditation cushion is about. So when you see these people just sitting flat on the ground, it's, I don't, unless you're very intensely focused on the rigidity of your spine or the straightness of your back, like, I don't know, just try to bump your ass up in there. So traditionally, uh, this is done with the eyes open. So you're going to relax your eyes, put them at a 45 degree angle, kind of down, relax your eyelids. And you're just going to bring your attention to the cold air going in through your nose and the warm air going out through your nose. In, out. That's it. And every time your mind, or your attention rather, wanders off into the mind, into thought and all these things, you're going to notice it and you're going to gently bring it back to the breath. And I say that gently because you're not snapping it back into place. You're just gently bringing it back. And you're going to bring it back to the notice, the cold air going in through the nose and the warm air going out through the nose. That's it. And you're going to do that over and over again. And expect the mind to wander off. That's what it does. Your attention's going to go everywhere. The mind isn't going to stop. The day your mind just stops, going to your breath won't be a problem either because there won't be breath. Nothing will be there. So... Let it wander off. This isn't about being rigid. This isn't, it's not about that. It's about developing a habit of noticing the breath and coming back to the breath. Now, do this for 10 minutes every day. But throughout the day, 
from time to time, kind of bring your attention to your breath. Notice the fact that you're breathing and you're gonna try to breathe in and out of your belly. Some of you that have high anxiety, that's gonna be very difficult because your abdomen's very tight. That's fine. Just however you can do it, okay? Don't do that thing where it's like, well, I can't breathe out of my belly, I'm not gonna do this. Just breathe, okay? Um, something else I wanna point out. Uh, at the top and bottom, at the top and bottom of the breath, there's a little bit of space, right? Um, I'd rather you focus on the space at the bottom of the exhale because it's a little easier, and especially for those of you that are dealing with a lot of anxiety, the bottom of the exhale is going to be much easier. So breathe in as you exhale. You kind of let the air fall out, and you'll notice warmth. There's this space. Maybe you notice it at the back of the throat, the belly, wherever, but there's this warm space and you're gonna rest in that. You're not holding your breath or anything like that, but you're just gonna rest in that warm pocket, okay? Um, that is very important and it gets overlooked more often than not when people are teaching meditation or talking about meditation. So that's just, the instructions on Shamatha, it's very simple, very easy. That's all you're doing. Do not get hung up on trying to quiet the mind. Do not get hung up on not thinking. You're supposed to be thinking. The mind is supposed to be thinking. That's what it's for. For you to expect that thing to stop is kind of stupid. Just be with it. Allow the mind to race. If the mind wants to go to crazy town, fucking let it go. You're going to notice it and then you're going to come back to the breath. And you're going to sit with the breath for a while and then it's going to wander back off into, I don't know, whatever the fuck. The circus is going to come to town. Just keep coming back to the breath. This is the important part. The important part isn't your mind will get quiet on its own. You're going to relax on your own. But what's important is being able to come back to the breath like a path, right? You're trying to wear that path down back to your breath. So, so you see, when we develop this muscle or neural pathway that allows us to return to the sensation in the nose or the breath, we are more able to be present to things as they are, regardless of the pain or discomfort that might come along with them. We can now come to the breath. We have a habit of noticing our breath. And you can notice your breath while somebody's talking. You can notice your breath at traffic. It's very simple. This isn't a big deal. Um, another benefit to having the capacity to watch the mind without getting so involved in the mind uh, is what will allow us to begin thinking differently. It will allow us to begin to reprogram the subconscious mind. This leads us to our next practice. So let's think of the mind as constantly occurring phenomena. Um, the mind is constantly producing images about whatever is happening. Uh, it's producing ideas and thoughts and all of these things on its own. Uh, and what the mind produces or thinks about, it believes is real and happening in time in this moment. And since it believes this, it keeps telling the body to feel a kind of way through chemicals and whatever. Now, Keep in mind that this is the subconscious, the subconscious mind. And once the subconscious mind sends that signal to the body, the conscious mind steps in and starts telling you more about this feeling. 
Uh, this, of course, ramps up the feeling that's already there, making whatever feeling that's already occurring in the body, whether it's good or bad, much more intense. So when we think about changing the way the mind produces the phenomena that's occurring, we have to remember that it has an algorithm. This algorithm is based on the thoughts that we've interacted with the most, the same way your social media feed we, uh, your social media feed works. What you interact with the most, it shows you more of. Now, you have to remember that the mind doesn't care, or at least the subconscious mind doesn't care. And that reminds us of the Neville Goddard quote that I've used before. The subconscious does not care about the truth or falsity of your feeling. It accepts as true that which you feel to be true. And this is great news. This means that we can literally tell the subconscious mind anything. And over time, it will begin to produce phenomena or thoughts based on the new information. That's good news. Any belief that we have about the way the world is, what God is, yada, yada, is a program running in the subconscious. And we learned that program through our culture, uh, family, school, who knows? Either way, it's there. All of our experiences are being run through those filters. Um, and it goes back to my widget analogy. Uh, we only experience a description of reality and that description is someone else's description. And I started thinking about the world that way after reading uh, books by Carlos Castaneda. Now, if you Google Carlos Castaneda, you'll read a lot of very strange things. Please don't let that deter you. So many people miss out on very solid spiritual information because they're afraid of the person that wrote the book. Um, a great example would be the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. Now, while I don't necessarily agree with everything Anton LaVey wrote, uh, there's a lot of solid information in that book. It's awesome. So um, I'm going to go into the widget analogy again because it pertains heavily to the next practice. So let's say there's an object in a room and I show it to you. There's this object in this room and you and I are in this room and your mind has no context for that object. Your mind doesn't know what it is, doesn't know what it's for. It hasn't seen anything like it. It's like, oh, what the fuck this is? Um, so I tell you what the object is. I say, this is a widget. It does this, this, and this. It's dangerous or it's good or whatever, right? I'm telling you about it. I'm giving you a description of this widget. Now, let's say later on, you encounter this object again, your mind goes, and now I'm not there with you, but your mind sees it, it goes, that's a widget, that's bad, and you start to experience thoughts and literally feelings in your body. You're experiencing my description of that widget. You have no experience with that widget. I told you what it was. I told you how to experience it, okay? This is... Do you guys see what's going on here, okay? This is when I say that the world is a description, that we experience a description of reality. That's what I mean. And you can apply the widget can be you, the widget can be anything. So what all of religion and spiritual practices seek to do is to reprogram and unravel our previous descriptions of what we believe the world was. Um, but I'm, I'm going to focus... 
I'm going to focus on mantras. The word mantra in Sanskrit can be broken down to mean uh, mind tool or mind protection. I was always taught it as mind protection, which I really like. Um, so when I first learned the Maha Mantra or the Hare Krishna Mantra, I was chanting it all the time. And Bada Hari, you know, said, you know, you're supposed to chant it 16 times, like 16 rounds a day. And on that round is 108 recitations. So you're chanting the names of God over and over and over and over. And to this day, when I feel scared, when I feel concerned, when I feel whatever, that mantra immediately, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. It comes in immediately. My mom's dying. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And it gives me a lot of comfort. Okay? So if you want to think of God all the time, the best thing to do would be to chant the names of God all the time. Right? Now, fast forward, you know, after Hari Das, it was Lama Losan, right? And I remember, um, you know... It, Within Krishna consciousness, there's a lot of rules about, you know, how to hold your beads and these, and, and they're, they're good rules, but Lama Losan and Buddhism was a little, a little different. So, but one time I asked Lama Losan, I go, how can we chant this? Because certain practices, you chant certain things, certain amount of times, certain amount of rounds, whatever. And he said, because that's how long it takes you to remember. Well, that's interesting. That's how long it takes you to remember. Now, the way I look at these mantras, like the Maha Mantra or any Sanskrit mantra, is that for a very, very long time, millions of people chanted these mantras with the same intention and the same hope that I have. And I think that's a very powerful thing to think about. You're entering the stream of consciousness that they were a part of. I think that's great. But really, it took years so that the Maha Mantra, um, to, you know, to really weave its way into my heart, to say it as cheesy as possible. <laughs> um, and the reason it did, it's, there's all these other, you know, ex, there's all these peripheral things happening in my life that would really kind of make it this important thing to me. Um, there were experiences and teachers and all that kind of stuff. So me simply telling you to chant Hare Krishna, I don't believe is going to give you the same experiences I have with it. You know, that being said, chant Hare Krishna <laughs> all you want. I encourage you to do it. So all of that aside, I've found a ton of benefit to the next practice I'm going to describe to you. This is something I had other people do as well, and they've also found it to be extremely beneficial. Um, I've mentioned this practice before, but as this podcast goes on, I realize that a lot of people don't go back and listen to everything in order, so some of this might be repeated. But like a ton of you are finding out, uh, repetition seems to be the key to this. And depending on, on where your mind is at the time, you'll always hear things differently every time I say them. Um, it's kind of funny. At work, there, there have been so many clients that would jokingly gripe to me about me talking about the same thing all the time. And my, resp my response is usually, I'll say different shit when you do different shit. So <laughs> repetition is the key to all of this change that, that you're trying to cultivate. 
But so many of you give up either because you get bored with the repetition or it's not happening fast enough. And that's fine. That's part of your karma as well. Part of your karma. Um, uh, don't beat yourself up, self up over it. Um, just notice that you tend to quit quite often. And notice that the way you do one thing might be the way you do other things in your life, right? Just food for thought. It's not a judgment. It's a judgment. Just, just see it. Just notice it. So what I'd like you to do is get a notebook. And I want you to understand that everything that you write in this notebook is absolutely true. So please take this very seriously. Be, be thoughtful about what you're writing. Kill the doubt. Doubt must die. Um, something else that you need to understand. What you write in this notebook has nothing to do with anything outside of you. You are going to write what you want within yourself. What you... Uh, want to feel about yourself, how you want others to see you. But you must understand fully that this has everything to do with you, not them. It's like this. Um, I'll relay uh, a story to you from my personal life. Um, some of you will know what I'm talking about. But up until yesterday... As I said, I've spent the last four years working in a treatment center. Uh, it was a dual diagnosis facility where we dealt with people with uh, mental health issues, trauma, addiction, addictions of all sorts. Uh, well, for the most part, those of us that work there are intensely dedicated to helping other human beings live up to their highest potential. However, after a while, for whatever the reason the powers that be started hiring executives to fill positions that didn't exist previously. Why they did this, I have no fucking idea. My buddy Troy said it best. Uh, we're on the Titanic, the fucking thing is sinking, and for some reason they're fixing the dishwasher. <laughs> I thought that answer was awesome. I don't know. Some of you are in situations where you're like, yeah, they're working on the dishwasher. Why are they working on the dishwasher? Anyway, there's one individual in particular and uh, some of you are already laughing. And he came in and he attempted to speak very forcefully. And uh, as, an, as a side note, uh, he used to work in the prison, prison system. So you're, yeah, yes, you're asking yourself the same questions we all asked ourselves. Anyway, he would say things like, this is my house. He would say this on his first day. And he would say this completely disregarding the fact that this company was successful because of those of us that were already there. Uh, he would say things that were obviously directed to me or my buddy Troy. And uh, we knew that because um, he would only say it when we were in the room. So here's my point. <laughs> this person did not believe in his own bullshit. He was putting on a facade of a leader and a facade of a powerful person. Uh, it was very apparent to me and everyone else that he did not possess his own power. Why? Because real recognize real. Um, we have all encountered these people. 
The reason I'm telling you this is because you have got to believe your own bullshit if you want the subconscious, the universe, God, source, Krishna, whatever, to buy into what you would like to see happen. If you want people to listen to you, then you have got to believe that what you have to say is vitally important for them to hear. But if you do not believe that you possess wisdom already, then what you're saying to them is empty. Now, I make a lot of jokes about being a heretic, a lizard person, and all this goofy shit. But I know that without a doubt, what I am saying to you is true and effective. Why? Because I trust my teachers. And the biggest reason of all, I have done this stuff myself. If it hadn't helped me, I wouldn't be, I, first, I wouldn't keep doing it. I surge fuck wouldn't tell you to do it. I promise you, I will never tell you to do things that I have not had personal experience with myself. Now, you have your notebook. Uh, what you write in this notebook is absolutely true. What we are doing with this note, note, I'm having a hard time today. What we are doing with this notebook is we are building a bridge. So imagine yourself on the side of a, a raging river. Um, who you want to be is on the other side of this river. Uh, you are going to build a bridge over this river. Imagine it as a bridge that's it's made of planks. And each plank is a piece of your character. Um, uh, it, it's a belief in yourself. It's a belief about yourself. These beliefs are going to be written down in this notebook. The way you write these beliefs has got to be present tense and positive. Now, um, not that I'm working towards this, but instead I am fill in the blank, right? Not I am going to be this, but I am this. Um, another great Neville Goddard quote, I will be is a confession that I am not. Saying I am going to be patient, to be a patient and loving person is not the same as saying I am a patient and loving person. Now, you might tell yourself or me, but I'm not a patient and loving person. And I can prove it to you. Look at all these bad things I've done. I'm not patient. I'm not loving. I hear you. And that might make saying this feel like a lie, but who the fuck cares? You're already lying to yourself about what a horrible, incapable person you are. So why not lie to yourself about being loving and patient? If you believe that you are a horrible, if, if you believe that you're horrible and incapable, that happened over time. You weren't just born that way. Over time, you began telling yourself this over and over and over again. Now, you might not remember when you started doing that, but you did. You described an absolute shit show to yourself until you finally looked up and you noticed that there was a shit show happening around you. Do you see what I'm saying? Reality is a field of potential. The subconscious mind is geared to look for certain potential. Potential for shit, potential for not shit. So if you want to be a patient and loving person, for instance, what you are going to do is open your notebook and you are going to fill up one page, one side of a page with, I am a patient and loving person. You are going to write this on every single line of that paper. You are going to write it slowly, slowly. 
You will probably begin to feel impatient and your hand might ache, but when it does, you're going to slow down even more. Okay? Understand the seriousness of this. Take time and write it slowly and imagine that you are writing it into your mind. Remember, what you write in this book is absolutely true. Now, some of you might just stare at the page without knowing what you want to write. So you're going to start with this. What is your intention for your entire life? How do you want to feel in your life? Um, how do you want life to feel to you? Literally in your body, how is this supposed to feel? How would you like others to see you? Now, this last one is very interesting. How do you want others to see you? I said earlier, isn't about other people and it's not. These practices aren't about you affecting others' perception of you necessarily. But if I want you to see me a certain way, but, but I don't believe that, that that's who I am, at least not down in my core, then you're not going to buy in. This takes us back to the certain executive or whatever position he was supposed to be filling. I didn't buy into his power and authority, not just because I'm the kind of person that doesn't usually buy into power and authority, but because he didn't buy into his own bullshit. He had no internal power. He didn't believe his own shit. So why should I? If you don't believe in yourself, why should I? Why should I believe in you if you don't? So many of you talk about finding a partner that believes in you and that they're going to be supportive and yada, yada. And I've been that person. I understand. But this person isn't going to give you the belief in yourself. If you believe in yourself because of this other person, then we have a real fucking problem. Them believing in you and supporting you should be in addition to the belief and support that you already give yourself. You have got to have your own internal, your own internal power in check. If you want wisdom, power, and beauty, then you have got to believe that you are wise, powerful, and beautiful. Otherwise, you're just rearranging the furniture in your prison cell. Do you understand? You're going to rearrange it till it feels like home. Now, I have notebooks filled with these things. Um, I can tell you right now that there are six crucial mantras, right? Six crucial beliefs in myself. Um, they're kind of a theme for me right now. These are my mantras. This means that I walk and chant them to myself. Why is the walking important? Bilateral stimulation. It helps you work the ideas into the mind. Trust me. Um, you don't have to do it like this, but this is how I do it. So let's say I have six beliefs in myself that I would like to press into my subconscious to make them beliefs that I have about myself that are just that I have zero doubt, right? That they're in the makeup. They're in my operating system. I say each one three times, but I say all of them together like repeatedly, all six of them together, but each one gets repeated six times. Why do I say them? I'm sorry, they get repeated three times. There's six of them. Why do I say them three times? Um, for the three worlds, for the triune nature of a human being, uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Brahma, Shiva, Vishnu, 
these are allegories for the triune nature of a human being. Uh, we are those components of God. Um, so heaven, earth, and hell, or the underworld, however you want to think about it, I tend to stick with the underworld, or the shadow self, right? Your higher self, heaven, your earthly self, earth, and your shadow self, the underworld. All of these have to be in sync and aligned. So our meditation practice allows us to see the mind pushing those old beliefs to the surface uh, while we are trying to reprogramming it, uh, right, trying to reprogram it rather. Without the meditative practice, without the ability to watch the mind and slow the mind down with our breath, it's kind of like fixing a water pipe that's still on, right? Actually, that's no, a horrible analogy. Forget that. You want to be able to notice the mind is pushing up these old ideas. Uh, that it is continuing with this old algorithm so that you can successfully inject the new, more valuable ideas about yourself into the subconscious to make them part of that algorithm, right? Um, you always think this about yourself because you always think this about yourself. And you do that with the conscious mind. Remember, the conscious mind is fantasy and imagination. All things are fantasy and imagination, and then they become real. Look at the iPhone, for instance. That thing was fantasy and imagination, and now it's in your pocket. So as you use the conscious mind to replace these subconscious beliefs in yourself, what you're actually doing is pushing these ideas into the subconscious. You're impressing these ideas onto the subconscious, or actually pressing them into the subconscious. So... This is probably going to be an episode that you have to listen to a few times or at least take notes on. Um, so our experience of ourselves, of the world, has been largely negative. Um, we have to understand that that is simply the mind, right? If you've had all this negative interaction, that's your mind. That is our perception, Perception means a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something. Perception is a cognitive faculty of the mind. Our perception is our reality. Our reality is our mind. This is why we have got to work with the mind to change our experience, to change our perception. Um, I don't know why I have marbles in my mouth today, <laughs> but I do. I'm still trying to get over whatever weird COVID-y cold thing I was going through. So that's it for now. Um, I hope it was helpful. I hope that you found this beneficial. And as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. You guys know that. And as I've mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being in all of its facets, please do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, where there is a link to the Patreon page, a link, uh, the donation link will allow you to help out with money. Um, or books or other merch, you know, you could buy a shirt. That's great. It's cold out. Buy a hoodie, right? Buy one of those don't sprinkle shit seeds on my dream field hoodie, hoodies. Um, and as usual, don't forget, you can always reach out and talk to me. We're old friends. I mean that. Don't be shy. Don't be weird about it. Just say hello. Bye-bye.